Stephen Messer of Corba. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. You just asked a few minutes ago how we can get more people to be bike commuters. I did. I, I want to know, that's the topic for today's show, how, how can we get more people to be bike commuters? Well, one of the first steps um, is, is something that Glendale has just taken, and um, I was actually at the public, at the council meeting on Tuesday night when the city council voted unanimously to pass the Glendale Safe and Healthy Streets Plan. Yeah. And that will be a, an, a, a good first step for the city of Glendale to um, encourage more people to get out walking and get out on their bikes and be bike commuters. It has a lot of good components in the plan. I'm sure uh, Colin Bogart has been on, this, on the show many times talking about it, but it, it actually happens. We've actually had a vote on it, and it was a unanimous vote from the city council. Well, we talked to Colin last week about this, and it seemed to me that it was likely to happen. And was there any doubt in your mind that it would pass? There was no no doubt in my mind, but there was one, um, let's say, dampener on the on the proceedings when uh, Councilman Weaver uh, said, you know, he comes from the old school, he's an engineer, and he he came on and said, you know, the city was built for cars. 50 years ago, I'm an engineer, I don't know how we're going to do this, I'm going to vote for it anyway, but I just don't see how it's possible. And then um, our new mayor in Glendale, she came on right after him and she just shut him down. She just said, you know, we have to do this, we can't afford not to do this, this is the way of the future, this is what we need to do to make this city more more friendly. So the, the optimists won? The optimists one wholeheartedly, and even the naysayer, he still voted for it. He just put his uh, his little doubtful caveat in there. Well, he's that, he's welcome to do that. I mean, yeah, and he is, <laughs> he is being realistic to to a certain extent. The city was built for cars, and that's that's exactly why we need to change it. So, can you tell me what the safe and healthy streets plan of Glendale is? Um, it's, I'm it's, sure it's like a lot of, a lot yeah, of different it's, components. It's a, yeah, there's a lot of components. It's based on the five E's, um, education, encouragement, enforcement, and evaluation are, are four of them. And um, each component builds on the other. Now, as a mountain biker, I'm very encouraged by it because something else is going on in Glendale that's not related to bike commuting, but is, is definitely indirectly related um, uh, with Colbert, I've been trying to work on a on a mountain bike skills park with the city of Glendale, and I actually appeared before the Parks Commission on Monday, spoke to them, and they agreed to do the initial feasibility study to get that off the ground. So you're and that's exciting. Sorry. What were you saying? Uh, so they, the Parks Commission, who oversees the Community Services and Parks Department, actually gave the gave the recommendation to do a feasibility study. And how this is related to, um, to commuting is that when we get kids hooked on bicycling at a young age, no matter what, what type of bike riding it is, they become cyclists 
and they're likely to stay cyclists for life, and they're like, more likely to be commuters later on in life. The topic is how to get more commuters, more bike commuters. And so this is a way to get to, to get, you're, you're saying to get young people started biking um, in, the, like in your skills park. Yep. And, that's, and once you get them biking, then they just, but, for, you know, for some people, some people are, are like, somebody was telling me um, that uh, his friend is a, a, like a triathlete who, you know, does these, these enormous rides, but then she commutes to work in a car, and then she didn't make the connection. Like, even if people are big bikers, they don't necessarily know that they can, they can ride it to work. Yeah, I, I came from that camp, too. I started my cycling, I don't know if you'd call it a career, but I started my cycling as a triathlete. And the way I used to train was I used to ride to work every day, and I'd have a two-hour lunch break, and I'd ride all my lunch break and then ride home. And um, so you can combine training and commuting, but it's a, it is a different mindset. If you're commuting and you've got a, a, a pack or, a, or panniers or something like that to carry what you need to, to do your job, it's a little different to riding a, a nice, fast, sleek uh, triathlon bike or, or a time trial bike with with aero bars and you know, more um, a less comfortable position, let's say, for for what you would typically want for commuting. But there can be crossover. It's a mindset that we need to change in people. Is it still a good training to be a triathlete if you got the all the the packs and things for your commute? Um, it's, it's good aerobic training, but it doesn't put you in the in the position and get you comfortable on, down on the uh, aero bars. Uh-huh. So you get something out of it. So, yeah. but you're you're with Corva, the Concerned Off-Road Bicyclists Association. Sorry, Corva. <laughs> but um, it is it is a mouthful. I, uh-huh. I actually just came back from the California Trails and Greenways Conference. And following that, I was at Sea Otter up, at, up in Monterey. That was an awesome event. Is this a full-time job? No, no, I'm a volunteer. I'm just um, underemployed, let's say, and uh, I have plenty of time to work on advocacy issues. Um, but you're Glendale-based. Yeah, I live in Eagle Rock, right on the border of Glendale. So I'm, I'm riding constantly in Glendale. I use the trails in Glendale when I'm... Uh, doing any kind of freelance work. I'm usually riding my bike through Glendale to the valley, so I pass through Glendale just about every day on a bicycle. And and what kind of real changes are we going to see because of the Safe and Healthy Streets uh, plan? Well, since, um, since Colin Bogart has already been involved in the cities, they've already made significant improvements. There's been shadows on on the ground in, on several streets. There are new bike locks uh, appearing in, in places where there weren't any before, bike racks to lock up your bikes. And that's one of the points I made in my speeches at City Council. If anyone is interested, um, I actually have the video, the entire video of the Safe and Healthy Streets session at City Council on the CorbaMTB.com website. So you can actually look at the whole proceedings and see what everyone said, see all the public comments. We had 12 people out there talking in favour of the of the Safe and Healthy Streets Plan, including several from LACBC. Jim Klausner was there, Karen Foyt, 
and um, and Colin gave a great presentation with uh, slides that you can also see on the video. I'll try to pull up your uh, your hearing, Glenda, and what you guys said. Thanks for calling in, Stephen. All right, it's great to have you. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. Okay, now on the way in, uh, Chicken Leather was on the way out, and he left behind something that he shot, some video from Ciclavia. I know it's been two weeks, but we never adequately covered it because we didn't play Chicken Letters footage. So let's see if we can do that now. Active. Almost. All right. I'm, I'm rolling in three or four. How about five? Yeah. Five perfect. This is the reason Ciclavia is done. Exactly. <laughs> this is second Ciclavia. Is talking to somebody with a little kid in his uh, well, I like in that. his kid seat. All right, we're ready for a big day. But I'm doing something different this year. We'll come back talking about the Oh, you okay? Talking a little bit. Are you making coffee? Thanks, actually. She and PJ. So, Chicken is now at the Flying Pigeon Bike Store, I guess, getting ready for his ride. So, I don't know if I was supposed to just play this. But um, it, it just shows the community around where Chicken Leather uh, volunteers at the bike oven and the Flying Pigeon bike store run by Joseph Bray Ali, who's a pillar of the bike community in this area. Good luck. <laughs> Somebody with a mom rider's t-shirt or a jacket. All right. I'm going to roll. All right. Some interesting people getting ready to ride. I think I'm going to have to fast forward, though, because it's not really self-explanatory. But you can hear the wheels. Do we lose active? So, you know, the, the little... Uh, School, next to the school, there's a little in cut up. Oh, I'm here with Team Fast, and we're attempting, that's right, the secret Star Wars entrance to our, our day's events. Here we go. Left. How was that? Nobody got hurt? Try to stay to the right. It's a little hinky here. 
Very good. Making their way to Ciclovia, the city hall. Got a repair kit? Maybe a pump? Uh oh. Uh oh. All right, we'll be riding around if you need a hand. Whoa! To quote uh, Princess Leia, you're braver than I thought. I, I don't know why you're not on two of my legs. That's just like the perfect bike. No, it's not. CT, yeah. <laughs> hill climbing. Running the, run the bellow ratio up like Baxter? Come on. Baxter? What about Fargo? I heard Fargo. Yeah, the thing is, not just to go up Fargo once now from the hill climb. we got to do Fargo like 50 times. This guy's did it something like 55, 60 times by noon. That's insane! No, what you gotta do is you gotta do Fargo, then Baxter. I worked it out. Okay, so That's Chicken Leather right. is making conversation on his way to City Hall oh. on the day of Ciclavia, which is oh. two weeks ago. time to edit all the footage, so you're listening to unedited footage from his day at Ciclavia. Let's pass for uh, you, you know, you have to use your words, you know, kind of uh, judiciously because you know, you're making, like, really, like, infinitesimal decisions, you know, distinction between how Los Angeles is. And, I mean, take, for example, this building. This used to be the police building. They decommissioned in 1960. What did that tell you? They still haven't decided what to do with it. Is what you're hearing. With a little crew from the bike oven. Oh, it's good. Eagle Rock and Flying Pigeon. We'll go, we'll go like we're going in the front door. You're listening to Bike Talk on KillRadio.org Live, KPFK.org Podcast. Front door, Andy. Front door. Front door. And, of course, iTunes. Front door. Oh, here you go. Oh, I knew it was going to be a good day. Come on, man. Come on. Burn some. Come on. Only the, the ground tower. So he's, they've arrived at Okay, City there's, Hall. A, there's a ribbon up here. So, guys, I think you have to choose left or right. So this was before all the people got there at Ciclovia. This is in the pre-Ciclovia, early morning. But the, the road is still clear. There's no, no cars. So for those of you who don't know, Ciclovia was when they shut down seven miles of L.A. streets just for bikes and pedestrians. Although it really was a biking event. The tradition started in Bogota, where they shut down 80 miles of streets.
Hey, you want a card? Okay, I'm gonna fast forward. Did you find out about uh, I, I, I'm on the social networks that people oh, are really? enjoying. I see Tom LeBond's aides are here, here so it must be a happening thing, huh? Yeah. yeah. Tom, we missed him at everything. Oh. Hey! How are you? I figured you'd be what on the way. What's are we doing here? I don't know. The press got here early. We took our bikes. I have some jokes. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just really say. Orange down here. Ah. Most of the route. There's more though, right? There's there's more. You can go to. Hey, you want a card? I got a card, my thing. So he's talking to Brad House. He's gonna be famous. Cyclocross promoter. They're in line where the mayor and Lance Armstrong here and Tom LeBond, city councilman, are prone to speak. They're prepping to speak. Yeah, I got a kickstand. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, maybe we could fast forward. <laughs> So, how many members of the press rode their bikes down? Oh, there's one. <laughs> well, we got one. That's good. That's good. Two people that rode down here from the press. How many took their equipment on their bicycle? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Two people. <laughs> Actually, uh, where is Gary? Actually, we're ready for something. The mayor, the mayor arrives. Ready for a ride? Guys, ready for a ride? Ready for a ride? He says, ready for a ride. Mayor Antonio Vergosa. Ed Reyes, Jan Perry, city council people are there. And Lance Armstrong is there. <laughs> Wheeling his bike in on the back wheel. So he can maneuver through the crowd. I guess he doesn't want to lock up his bike. Say <laughs> Hey, you think you guys have never seen a tour? Andy Likens from Blessing of the Bikes, a good Samaritan is there. Right on over here. We have here Damien Newton from Streets Bog. And how you doing, Damien? I'm good. How are you? Happy Happy Saturday. Thank you. Did you hear the theme, the topic of today's show? Um, you, you sent a few emails to me last night. We're talking about commuting. Yeah. How do you get more bikers, more more people to commute by bike? That's right. Similar. You know, it's sort of a tricky tricky issue when you talk about it from an advocacy standpoint because really, you know, the issues that are most important. Sorry, let me turn off my child Sesame Street. The issues that are most important for getting more people out the bike is making them feel safe. It's not actually that, you know, cycling is a safe way to get around, statistically speaking, compared to other forms of travel. People have to feel safe, and they don't feel safe when cars are passing them too close. They don't feel safe when they're dodging around potholes or dodging around open cars being opened, even if, again, statistically speaking, they're as safe on a bike as they are in a car. So, 
And unfortunately, though, a lot of that safety comes from either being out on the road a lot and riding a lot until you just get comfortable and learn how to deal with, you know, your your occasional driver that comes too close or some of the quirks of Los Angeles roads, or by having an infrastructure system that's designed to make you, designed to make people feel safe while they're on the road. Mm-hmm. So the second one is a little bit out of our hands. Uh, I mean, we can advocate, we can support groups such as the Bike Coalition or Bike Side, but on that front, really, the city and the county and the state and the federal government have to step up to provide the funding and the support we need to make that sort of change happen. So you think, if you think one is out of our hands, it implies that the other one's in our hands? Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, feeling safe on a bike and making people feel safe on a bike and helping people feel safe on a bike, that is that is somewhat in our hands. And some of that is, I think... Uh, you know, anyone that reads Streets Blogs knows that I have an 18-month-old kid that is home with me all day while I write the site, which uh, explains sometimes some of the quirks that happen in our stories. But, you know, we've been making him feel comfortable on a bike since he was almost three months old. He wears a helmet. He rides in the bucket in a, we call it a child seat, but commonly referred to as a car seat. And he's been on that for a while. I'm not saying you have to have your kid in a bike when they're three months, but if you want your, your if you want a future where people feel safe riding a bike, and there's a lot of people on the road, which is also a key factor in feeling safe is seeing a lot of other people out there, mm-hmm. then the way to do it is to uh, get your kids used to it. And if not your kids, you know, get your neighbors out on bike rides, get your friends out on bike rides, get your church or your chess club or your whatever uh, out on a ride. And that's sort of, I mean, the city and county try to do that with Bike to Work Week. And I don't really know that they've had a lot of success with it. Usually on, you know, Bike to Work Day, I see the same people riding bikes to work that I see riding bikes to work on any other day, except they have a bunch of places to stop and get coffee. Mm. Uh, I think they've probably had a little more success with Seclavia, uh, you know, where we have all these this wonderful, you know, army of people out on the street. Uh, the problem with that is I don't know how many of those people are only out because the road is closed and aren't going to ride their bike again until July 10th. And so that's sort of the key. We've Seclavia shows that there's definitely a lot of people that are ready to ride their bikes in Los Angeles, uh, and we need to help them make that connection that it's, it's, it's safe to do the other 362 days a year. You know, there used to be something called Bike Sage, and Ron Milam started it. He also started yeah, it. yeah, I was actually I was involved with that for a little bit. What happened to that? That was such a good idea, it seems. Um... I think their model was was very close to the model that Cycle, Cyclist and Sighting Change through Live Exchange has. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard to, uh, it was hard to sort of, because Ron's model would have involved a certain amount of investment in in financial resources. And I think it was hard explaining to potential funders what the difference was between that and what Cycle was, because Cycle is also a group whose main goal is to get get more people out on their bikes. So BikeSafe was was basically, though, just somebody... um each person, it's like each one teach one. You know, you, you take your somebody you know who doesn't bike much, uh, uh-huh. and you take them out and you show them how to bike safely, and you show them what you do on a bike. Right. It was, and they were gonna they were gonna have like a resource guide in that, so that someone like me, because while I write a lot about bicycling policy, I'm certainly not close to a bike expert. Uh, like I would not be the person to teach a class in bicycle safety. I just, that's not my where my background lies. Uh, but it was sort of to give the tools to someone like me so I would feel comfortable and competent, um, you know, trying to do that for a friend, going out on a ride, going out on the street. You know, it's one thing to 
to, over the course of five years, get my child ready to ride a bike. It's another thing to take a friend out who may own a bike and may ride on the, the river trail or the Bologna Creek Trail and teach them, you know, and take them out on a ride on the actual street. So, I mean, that was the concept behind it. Uh, I don't know that it. I don't know that it really went anywhere. Um, well, I think. I think it could be revived. I think it probably could too. I mean, it sounds like it, it's, it was a good program. Uh, you know, Rondo, we've got a lot of things going on. Well, he started uh, the CBC, right? Yeah, him and Joe Linton, and another person whose name I forget, who always tries to deflect credit for it to Joe and Ron, who has obviously done very well since I just blanked on his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, they founded it in 1998. Uh, uh, if you're out at the river ride this year, one of my favorite parts of the river ride is uh, Joe Linton wears a T-shirt that was made on a silk screen in, like, 1996 uh, for the first river ride before there was a bike coalition. That was just a bunch of friends getting a bunch of other friends out to take a ride along the river trail. Uh, Joe, was a, Joe was and is, like, one of the leading advocates for the revitalization of the L.A. River, so he was using it as sort of a tour to get people interested uh, in what's going on on the river itself. And then when he and Ron founded the Bike Coalition, they, they started doing the, the ride as a big fundraiser for the LACBC. But the, the river ride actually existed before the Bike Coalition did. Really? Um, so this is Damian Newton of L.A. Streets Blog. Where's the Streets Blog L.A.? Um, you know... We we call it LA Streets Blog, but the folks in New York, uh, sort of our parent company, call it Streets Blog LA. So either way works. And and how did you come into into existence as a Streets Blog? Yeah. Or Streets Blog LA. I guess I mean Streets Blog LA. Uh, I was moving out here. Um, Streets Blog in New York City had existed for about two years. Uh, I was moving out here with my wife for her work, and we had decided to. Uh, uh, that, that rather than trying to join up with one of those advocacy groups that existed, because uh, one of the things I've learned doing advocacy work in, in the greater New York area, I was in the New Jersey part, but the greater New York area, is people don't necessarily respond to someone coming in from outside their community and, and then trying to tell them what to do, <laughs> which is, you know, pretty obvious, but I think it's something that a lot of advocates, and I don't necessarily mean bike advocates, just advocates in general struggle with that concept. So I was, uh, my thought was I would come out here and write a website about advocacy and transportation in Los Angeles while I was learning what was going on. And I went to Streets Blog's New York team to get some tips on doing that. They said they were looking to begin a syndication process to develop other Streets Blog. So they said if my website was going well, maybe they would just open Streets Blog Los Angeles. And after six months of writing a very no-frills blog website called Street Heat, um, we opened uh, LA Streets Blog. Um, and we've been, uh, I guess last year we lost our funding through New York, and now we're entirely locally funded. Uh, a grant from the David Bonet Foundation and uh, lots of fundraisers and lots of advertising. You just had a fundraiser a last weeks. week. I, you were there, apparently. I was. I didn't see you. How no, did you? Why didn't you I, say hi? No, I, I thought I talked to you. Oh, no, that's yeah. even worse. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were actually um, hand-delivering the, the um, hors d'oeuvres. Oh yeah, no. I would. Yeah, talking to me then was was I would I was completely tuned down from everything. When was it either right at the start or right at the end? I was doing the waiter servicing stuff, yeah, and I was just I was oblivious to what was going on. You were involved in every detail of the. Of the oh, I'm so thankful you just said the hors d'oeuvre thing because for a second there I was like, oh my god, how did I not realize <laughs> what I was talking to? Um, but uh, yeah, I just put my name down on a on a silent auction form for one of the Riverside jerseys and one of the streets blog. 
DVDs, and, and then I, I had to go. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> yeah, no, at the very least, when we did the presentation of our new Seclavia Street film, I would have definitely, beforehand, I was playing out some of the advocates I knew in the audience. I was When when I got the email from you about being at the fundraiser, I was like, oh, man, I should have definitely pointed you out. Oh. Because I'm sure a lot of people that go to something like a street blog fundraiser are familiar with your voice, but, you know, wouldn't be able to pick you out of a police lineup. Yeah. Well, I would have, that would have been fun to get pointed out. But <laughs> yeah, I, should, I should ask first, because I don't know, maybe you want to be anonymous, like the shadow or something. Actually, yeah, maybe that, that, that sort of preserves the mystery. Yeah. So, um, so, so I think, you know, yeah. I was going to say, you know, Streets Block, actually, this year, we're doing uh, two Bike to Work Week events, and one of them is designed to uh, to get more families out on a Saturday to ride from uh, the place where we did our, our fundraiser last August on the west side, a little church on National Boulevard, to the Venice Pier. Uh, and we're, Psycho is helping us promote it. We may be stopping at the bike wave along the way. It's uh, Trader Joe's and Cliff Bar are going to be donating some stuff for some swag for us to hand out. And it's going to be, uh, it's the Saturday before Bike to Work Week, May, May 14th. Um, the information, we have a sort of very sketch outline on Street Blog right now. The information, I'll be posting a lot more on it next week. So it's, uh, we're trying a little bit. Uh, we've noticed that most Bike to Work Week events, uh, you know, it's, it's in mid-May. Bike to Work Day is May 19th this year. Uh, most of those are either in other cities, such as Glendale has a program, Pasadena has a program, Long Beach has a program. But LA's program um, is usually mostly focused on the downtown. And so we're trying to, uh, I mean, I live on the west side, which is why we're doing it on the west side. Uh, if it goes well here, we'll expand it next year and do a post bike to work day drive, uh, ride some family ride somewhere else, uh, maybe in South LA. Um, I know Joseph and the Flying Pigeon Bike Shop do something. Uh, out of Northeast LA, and I know the Eastside Bike Club does something out of East LA. So uh, we felt like when the West Side and South LA were being uh, ignored on Bike to Work Week, and since I happen to live on the West Side, we're going to fill that gap this year. But, but, uh, and if our event goes well, we'll do uh, we'll do a South LA one again next year. But yours is before Bike to Work Week. Ours uh, is a pre-Bike to Work Week. We wanted to do it on a weekend to get families out. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh this Saturday after Back to Work Week. <laughs> so we did it, we're doing it free. May 14th, uh, Bike to Work Week officially starts on May 16th, but we, uh, we're going to do ours on the 14th a couple days early. Um, and you know, those, sort of as I said, those promotional events could be, can be something where you can get some people out. They have that blessing of the bike events at Good Samaritan Hospital on Tuesday the 17th. It's a morning event designed to get, uh, to get school kids, uh, a chance to ride around their neighborhood on bikes in a safe format where there's lots of adults and there's a police escort. It's like a children's critical mass for a couple blocks. Hmm. Um, and uh, what, Metro, does a, Metro does a downtown tour in the late morning on the, the Wednesday of Bike to Work Week. So there are some cool events. We just, uh, you know, we're a city with 4 million people and we're pretty spread out, so we're trying to uh, help them spread out their Bike to Work Week programming a little bit. Is there a full listing of all the bike to work events somewhere? You know, there's not a great one. Uh, Metro, Metro, and LADOT have a web page for their events, and then all of the individual cities have one for their events. Uh, in 2009, I tried to put together sort of a mega calendar of it with all of the bike to work day events, like in the county that we could find out about. Mm -hmm. And the list ended up being so long that I don't know that it was useful. Like it was actually difficult to find what you were looking for. Uh, in it, and so we're sort of we were trying to figure out a way to do that this year that would make it easier for people to sort of do a 
make it searchable. Um, and we haven't figured out an easy way to do that with WordPress. Well, somehow by neighborhood, I would think. Yeah, we can sort it by neighborhood. Um, the problem is if we do too many posts, it sort of clutters up streets blogs to the point where we, we sort of become a bike-to-work week blog oh, yeah. for, you know, however long. Um, I guess we could do it. There's a way, of course, to post posts without them appearing on the front page, but then there's the issue of how would people know they're there. And so, you know, we've got, we're trying to figure out a way to work that out uh, so that we can have a good page somewhere with all of those. Uh, part of the problem also in 2009, Glendale had an event like every day. <laughs> you know, it was this little, it was like the little city that could that year. They had, a, I think they had 24 events in the month of May that year. Well, speaking uh, of Glendale, you know, what, what about the Safe and Healthy Streets plan? You know, it's, it's, I, I have never read, I haven't read the actual plan yet. We're going to be doing a, uh, Streets Blog, we're going to be doing a series on, on Glendale and Long Beach and Pacoima and all the areas. All, a lot of these areas have these great bike plans that they've done recently that were funded by a, a grant from the County Public Health Department a couple of years ago. So we're going to be doing a series on those grants this summer. Um, but I mean, I, I, just from knowing the people involved with it, knowing that Colin Bogart from the Bike Coalition was doing a lot of the work for it, and knowing that uh, the mayor of Glendale, Arne Jerrion, is, is a very proactive transportation. He's into to promote, promoting walking and bicycling. And while Glendale doesn't have the best reputation of being a bikeable, walkable area, you know, their police are, when they do police things to try and uh, protect pedestrians, they're trying to slow down cars, not, you know, get pedestrians to cross at certain places and that they recognize that, you know, the major safety problems on our street is bad drivers. So, uh, you know, it's, Glendale's a city that's trying. I haven't read the plan closely. Uh, people that I trust tell me it's good. Uh, and it's great also that they just took the initiative themselves to do this. I mean, again, Glendale's not Long Beach, not Pasadena, it's not Santa Monica. Uh, but, you know, three years ago, their city officials decided it was important to make their community a safe, walkable place, not just for the people that are walking and biking now, but for the generations to come so that they have a, a safe place to be outside. Um, and so you go from there, and you go from there, and, and hopefully it's, it's a really good plan that's passed. And I, I'm confident that it is without again, without having read it closely, but we'll, uh, if we talk in July, I'll be able to give you chapter and verse on. We go ahead and have safe and healthy streets plan. Really? You read things like that? Like, like bike plans? Oh, yeah. It's part of, we, we do, I, I was, we're fortunate that when we did our bike plan coverage here in Los, for the LA City, uh, Joe Linton did a lot of the in-depth reading through the plan for me, but reading plans and that is part of what we do. We end up reading a lot of metro legislation. Uh, and city council legislation on streets a lot, but reading plans and that stuff—that's just—I mean, that's great. That's important stuff to to, to do and know, uh, because if you just sort of take the numbers that appear in the executive summaries and that for for what the plan does, you can end up with a really incomplete picture. Uh, you know, everyone that didn't read the full LA City bike plan and just read the press releases loved the plan the entire way through the process. Uh, but, you know, we had about 40, 50 people that were really in the weeds, really reading that plan really closely that said, no, this is, this plan smoke and mirrors. And then finally, at the last second, they were able to, through the, through lobbying the city planning commission, they were, which had to approve the plan, they were able to finally get a lot of the substantive changes that made the, the bike plan eventually finally reach its, uh, reach the potential that was always talked about in, like, the press materials. I know the, the Bike Writers Collective was one group that sat around reading Plan together. Yeah, they're the bike riders collective, and uh, I mean, there's lots of individuals you you can you can pull out. The bike riders collective, the city's bike advisory committee, the LA Bike Coalition, Bike Side, 
you know, a lot of the groups and a lot of the people, and there, there are people that weren't affiliated with groups that did a lot of, of good work on it. Uh, you know, there's, there's the, the changing of the L.A. bike plan from something that bike activists were not happy with to something they were happy with happened very rapidly and happened because in a rare, very rare occasion, all of our city's leading bike voices were on the same page. Um, and that hasn't happened very often. And, you know, sort of look what happens when we can do that. We, we, get, we get something really great done. So how can we get that to happen more often? Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, the problem with that, a lot of people try to, and I, I, I'm guilty of this too, of saying, oh, everyone, you know, we need to get everyone happy. We need to get our activists all working together. But the, the reality is, is that if you look at the vision that, that the folks at, uh, the, a lot of the, the people that, that do a lot of the work with groups like Bike Side and the Bike Riders Collective, their vision for the city, and the Bike Coalition's vision for the city, uh, while the end goal is we want safe streets for people to be able to be outside and ride and work on, the, the tactics of what they want to get there are different. The Bike Coalition wants bike lanes. They want uh, the bike-friendly streets that they talk about in the plans. They want people to be able to get around the community in a safe way. Everybody wants that, but that's what that's sort of their vision for the city, and if you talk to the bike riders collective and that, their vision is they want to be able to get across town. They want to get from one part of the city to another. That's their goal, the, the backbone bikeway network. And so when you have limited resources, there's two things to do. You advocate for more resources uh, so that you can do everything that you want to in the bike plan. But in the meantime, while there are limited resources, you'll have one group saying the most important thing is to have safe backbone, as they say, corridors. They should be able, I should be able to get from the west side to downtown, to the valley, back to the west side safely. I should not have any fear of traffic. I should be able to do it comfortably, and I should be getting, you know, good enforcement from the law the whole way. And that's their vision. And if, that's their vision of what they would want done now. And if you talk to the Bike Coalition, their vision's a little different. They want people to be able to move about in their neighborhoods. They want families to feel safe on the street. Of course, everybody wants, again, just like everybody wants people to be able to move safely through their community, everybody wants people to be able to move, you know, throughout the, throughout the down, from one, the west side to the downtown, all of that stuff too. So it's sort of a, a difference on tactics in the short term. And I think, uh, when you have sort of different visions, and I, I don't think it's necessarily bad that you have competing visions because it it keeps everyone intellectually intellectually honest when it comes to a lot of this stuff, and it keeps uh, sort of always keeps up that pressure that we do need more resources put into this, that we're not just happy with, you know, a sheriff's pilot project, and, or we're not just happy with the backbone bikeway network being built out, that we also want, you know, the 4th Street Bike Boulevard, and we want the... Uh, separated bikeway for the expo line, and we want those sort of projects also that the Bike Coalition has been very active on. But I don't think any group would be against, you know, they might want their their um, project more than another group's project, but I, I can't see any, like the LACBC saying, bikeways backbone network is a bad idea. Or no, I mean, but they don't they don't say that either, but it's, there's, there's just a conflict going out when, I mean, what, it's, it's a matter of what your priorities are. Uh and, you know, the, the Bike Coalition has said what their priorities are. Their priorities are bike-friendly streets. Their priorities are the 7th Street bikeways, the Venice Street Road Diet, the, the 4th Street Bike Boulevard. You know, those are the projects that they've said are their priorities, and those are not the projects that are bike size priorities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone would say, oh, a road diet on, on, on Venice Boulevard. I don't think it's on Venice Boulevard. It's in the Venice Community Council. Excuse me. I think it's Abbott Kinney. That actually has the road diet. But, you know, no one's going to say a road diet, there's a bad idea. 
but in an era of scarce resources, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, bike lanes in the valley that'll connect to the Wilbur Avenue road dies to the, uh, to the Reseda bike lane to increase, uh, Usership of the Wilbur bike lanes and to increase mobility throughout the valley would be a better use of resources for the city. Everybody that's sort of what I'm saying. But, yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't think that the, the, the visions are incompatible. They're just different. And then when you have scarce resources, you, you end up becoming in conflict over that. So, but the best way to get people to start bike commuting is by teaching them, is by getting them on bikes and, and young people getting young people on bikes. And you don't you don't even need uh, resources for for that. No, I don't I don't think you do. Again, but I'm I'm someone that's comfortable biking in the street and biking with traffic. And as I said I'm not a super road warrior uh, that could you know get on this bike and bike to five meetings a day at, at all parts of the city like folks like Joe Joe Linton and, and Stephen and Nancy Box and Alex Thompson do. I'm just not I'm not in that physical condition and I, I don't ride as much as they do. But you know if you talk to someone who's not comfortable riding on the street. The first thing they're going to say is bike lanes. Yeah. They want bike lanes. Um, and so it's got to be a mix. You know, you can't just program for someone who is comfortable riding on the street and, you know, his friends and family that he can talk to that saying it's safe to ride on the street now. You have to, as a city and as a county, you have to be, you have to be able to do both. You have to be able to, to, you know, make people aware that it's safe to ride and you have to make them feel more comfortable. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, what's your vision of the future for LA? What do I want to happen, or what do I think is going to happen? Uh, a little of both, maybe. I mean, I think that the I, I think that the city is actually going to be making a good faith effort to to build out the bike plan that everyone likes. You know, there is a bike plan implementation committee at the city. I hear good things out of the meetings. I've talked to a lot of people going to the meetings. Um, personally, I try not to go to meetings where are too in the sort of details of things because I I want to sort of be able to keep a journalistic eye on them when plans are rolled out and look at them without having a personal investment in them, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, if I've been working on a road diet plan, I'm going to write good things about it, even if there's, you know, a, a small issue here or there that's not fair to my readers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard good things out of the committee, so hopefully there's good things happening, and they've got some said. I just listed off a whole bunch of things that are the Bike Coalition's plans uh, as high-priority projects, and a lot of them are going to be happening in the near future. We're going to see bike lanes on 7th Street. We're going to see improvements made to 4th Street. We're going to see a road diet in Venice on, um, I believe, on Abbott Kinney Boulevard. You know, we're we're going to start to see these things happening. Um, and Seclavy is getting more people on bikes. And so, said, if we can make that connection and convince people that the streets are safe, we're going to see... We've seen a bike boom in the last couple of years, but we've probably went from something like, you know, 1% of commuters to 1.5% of commuters or something like that. I think in the next five years, it's going to, you know, we're going to see a similar type of doubling in the five years after that. And I think by the time that my kid is, is biking to high school or biking to college or whatever, there's going to be, you know, we're not going to look like Copenhagen, but we might look like Portland. We might look like a big, sprawled-out Portland. Hmm. Uh, you know, and he's not going to have a lot of the fears that people today have about bicycling, because there's going to be so many people biking on the road that he's not going to have to worry about it. It's not going to It's not going to feel like a a special event to see someone biking to work. All right. I, I was, I was kind of wondering, are we going to be able to be like Copenhagen? But I guess I, do, I don't know. I Copenhagen, do. Copenhagen's a pretty high bar to reach, but I said, I think we, I think we can hit Portland. All right. Sounds good. This is Damian Newton from LA Streetsblog, LA, uh, streetsblogla.org. 
And um, this is uh, Bike Talk. Thanks for calling in. Oh, no problem. And uh, I'm going to go, uh, once, I'm going to try to give my kid a nap. But once he's done that, I'm going to listen to the rest of the mayor's press conference. Huh. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll pause it until you're, until you're ready. <laughs> no, it's, don't, don't wait for my child to take a nap. That's a loser's bet. But we'll, uh, <laughs> if, I, if I miss too much of it, I know where to find the podcast. All right. Thanks, Damien. All right. Have a good night. Have a good day. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. This is Bike Talk. This is April 23rd. You're listening to killradio.org if it's live, and you're listening to kpfk.org if it's podcast. Also, you can find it on iTunes, livebiketalk at gmail.com. And we have a, w- a web page up. It is biketalk.org. Or, I'm sorry, biketalk.com. We haven't got the .org yet up. So... Here's more of the mayor's press conference, taped by Chicken Leather at Ciclovia, with Lance Armstrong there, and city council members like Tom LaBange, Jan Perry, Ed Reyes. All right, well, let me, uh, what a great day for a cycle ride, huh? What a great day. God, I love this city. Let me just say, you know, whether it's the fall, the summer, the springtime, the winter, uh, this is a city of blue skies and sunshine and uh, a great day for a bicycle ride. Uh, yeah, we're going to get 1,600 miles of bike path. How about that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that softball. Did you play that? And, and I want to thank all of the folks uh, from the L.A. County Bicycle Coalition and the Ciclavia Advisory Committee. Uh, this is really about you. Uh, you have said uh, for a long time now that here in L.A., in the car capital of the United States of America, in the congestion capital, in a city addicted to the single-passenger automobile, we ought to get on a bike once in a while. We ought to get out of our car and walk and reclaim our neighborhoods. Hey, that's every and day for us. Every day. That's right. And that's what Ciclavia is all about. Ciclavia is an opportunity, and it's an idea that started in Bogota, Colombia, I guess in 1974. Uh, a man had a vision. A woman, a family, a, a community had a vision of reclaiming their neighborhoods and their streets. And, and now, and now uh, millions of people have participated in Ciclovia. And cities uh, around the world learn from that example. And uh, I've said that uh, when I was in Copenhagen, I was amazed by the number of people who were on a bike every single day, as you said. Every single day. And, and yes, uh, in Mexico City, not so long ago, we were there at Paseo de la Park, where every Sunday they reclaimed a big portion of that street, and people are on bikes, and they're walking, and they're cycling, I mean, and they're skateboarding, and doing, and just walking and reclaiming their neighborhoods, and that's what we have an opportunity to do today as well. And, you know, when you think about cycling, uh, when you're... When you think about uh, professional cycling, uh, you think about uh, Lance Armstrong. But when I think about the heart of a champion, I think about 
Lance Armstrong. Absolutely. That's right. Lance Armstrong is not only a seven-time Tour de France winner. Uh, Lance Armstrong is a winner in the game of life. Uh, this is a man uh, who overcame cancer, uh, who uh, struggled with what many thought was uh, terminal cancer. And he not only overcame it uh, and uh, really battled and challenged it, uh, but he also inspired the nation and the world. And his, uh, his struggle and his uh, initiative to really tell the story of cancer uh, is another reason why we're here today. Because when you get on a bike, that's a healthy option for us. And when you get on a bike, uh, it's a way to, uh, to exercise and do what we all need to do uh, to be healthier. And I couldn't be prouder to have Lance Armstrong here today to celebrate not just our second Ciclovia. LA's committed. We put this together uh, last fall. We said that we were going to do it again and again and again. And one day, uh, we're going to do this uh, virtually uh, every week. Yes. And it starts here. And so please help me in welcoming a man that needs no introduction, uh, a uh, an inspiration uh, to every one of us, seven-time Tour de France winner, Lance Armstrong. Well, thank you all for, uh, for welcoming me here today. Thank you for being here. Uh, can I just give one more round of applause for 1,600 miles of bike path? Just to put in perspective, I, I grew up in Texas. I live in Austin, Texas. That would get us from here to Austin, Texas. Right here in this city. I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. But uh, as the mayor also touched on, I think the bike is an amazing uh, option for us on a couple of levels. Uh, both are equally important. One is the health perspective. We know that uh, the healthy lifestyle, the choices we make on a daily basis, uh, really influence and impact what happens to our health later on in life. I can speak to that uh, to a certain extent. The other, the other part of it is an environmental perspective, too. When people get on bikes, if you're going to the store or going down to the restaurant or going to hang out with friends, uh, a bike ride is simply uh, a lot more friendly environmentally than, uh, than getting in the car, starting, stopping, starting, stopping. So uh, the more that we have the infrastructure in place, that encourages people. As a parent, you also want to know that when your kids go out on bikes and they're going to ride down to see their buddies or ride to the park, uh, it's, it's really key to have safe routes. So I, I, I thank the mayor and I congratulate the mayor on, on providing essentially what uh, is what we all want, and that's a high quality of life. And so a city like Los Angeles, a big city, uh, to have that uh, in place, to have that sort of infrastructure is uh, is really amazing. Um, everybody, uh, it's going to be a great day. We've, we've, I don't know who blessed us with this great weather, but let's all be safe. The mayor did that. The mayor did that. Yeah. On Thursday. But uh, have a great day, and, uh, and again, thank you for having me here. You know, as so many of you know, uh, this isn't about, uh, this isn't just about a city uh, that has decided uh, to celebrate uh, the bike and cycling and reclaiming neighborhoods. This is about a community of cyclists uh, that have demanded 
uh, of their city uh, leadership in this area. And I want to bring up somebody who's been a part of this effort, uh, who's helped to organize and, and really educate all of us, the policymakers who are here today, our, our council members uh, who will speak in just a moment. And that is Aaron Payne. Aaron, where are you? You know, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron and all of the cyclists are here uh, who said to us, hey, LA is a great place. And it ought to be a, an example to the nation and the world for what uh, cycling can be uh, in a city like this. And the fact that you all uh, work so hard, uh, LA County Bicycle Coalition, the Ciclovia Advisory Committee, to really put this, uh, not just Ciclovia, uh, but put cycling on the map in Los Angeles. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today is the beginning of the new normal for Los Angeles. Yeah! This is our second Ciclovia. It's not an annual event. The last one was six months ago on 10-10-10, and we're looking to create a regular program that recurs over and over again on a monthly basis, as to what we're going to aim for. Yeah. Weekly would be great, but on a monthly basis, so that this is something that interconnects neighborhoods, that brings people together, that makes Los Angeles the kind of city we want to have, where we can walk from neighborhood to neighborhood, where we can meet our neighbors, where we can greet each other civilly, and we can reclaim our streets for what they are, the interconnecting tissue that makes us a great city. Yeah. So this is Ciclavia. It comes from Bogota, Colombia, where it was called Ciclovia. It started in 1974. And in 10-10-10, we brought Jaime Ortiz, one of the founders of Ciclovia, Woo! up here. And he helped us kick off the first one. And he told us that this idea in Bogota actually came from the United States. So it came full circle. He lived through the 60s. He saw the idea of taking back the streets and making that powerful and how that worked for the people. He brought it back to his Latin America to his continent and then it spread throughout Latin America and now it's happening every week, every Sunday in places like Mexico City, Guadalajara, Pueblo, Santiago, Quito, and of course Bogota, where millions of people come out for 80 miles of interconnected streets. This is something that could not have happened without a lot of people I want to thank. Of course, the Ciclavia Board of Directors, this incredible group of citizens who came together three years ago to bring this idea to Los Angeles. And I also want to thank the mayor and the mayor's office and staff because when we brought this to the mayor right away he got it and he said let's do it how fast can you get this up and within one year we had our first Ciclovia and that's lightning time when you're working with all the bureaucracies and all the wonderful and all the wonderful city departments I want to thank it's true. Everyone who knows the truth, it, it's really, it's an amazing thing to get something through. And this is a collaboration between the government and between the city, the city council, and uh, all the different layers of the city. And it's the city working for us. The city is actually helping us make this happen. They're defraying the cost. They're paying for their, for their side of it, and we're paying for our side of it. It's an incredible collaboration. Without the mayor, without the city council, this just would not have happened. But also couldn't have happened without all these incredible citizens here who have come out. And, and again, I want to stress that Ciclavia is not just about biking. I want to thank Lance. It's 
fantastic that he came here and that we're encouraging everybody to come out and bike. But I also want to encourage people to walk. I want to bring, have them bring their dogs. I want them to uh, ride their skateboards and their roller skates. I want them to just sit by the side and schmooze, sit at a great restaurant in Little Tokyo, schmooze and watch all the people go by. This is a wonderful opportunity to take back our streets. We have that power here. It belongs to us. And I'm thrilled that we have our second Zyklovia. We have two more this year, July 10th, October 9th. Watch for it. Thank you so much. Write that down. July 10th, October 9th. That's great. And by the way, if there are any more sponsors, there are a lot of great sponsors, but we had to raise money to do all this. So if there are any more sponsors that want to get behind this event, please call us. Call the Zyklovia Coalition. All right, the next group of speakers are going to speak very briefly. <laughs> Beginning with our great city controller who controls the purse strings of the city of Los Angeles, Wendy Grill, here with little Thomas, my best friend. Good morning, everyone. What a great day in Los Angeles. A great day for bicycling, but most importantly, a great day to celebrate our neighborhoods and our communities. We all remember the day where we started to ride our first bike. Thomas, just the last time we had Sikovia, had not gotten off the training wheels. And today, he's going to ride without the training wheels. Uh, my buddy, and it's about family and community and neighborhood and Los Angeles, as said by Aaron, should get out of the way and be part of the solution. And that's why we're here today. Lance, I want to thank you. You're really an inspiration to so many and to, to our children uh, across this country and across the world. Great to have another day. This is not just, uh, as I said, once every few months, but every day we should celebrate bicycling and we should celebrate our neighborhoods and diversity of Los Angeles. Congratulations to Sikovia. Um, the woman who represents this area, big, big advocate uh, for Little Tokyo and downtown, Jan Perry. And for bicyclists, and I want to say thanks for starting over here, right in front of the Japanese American National Museum. And as you go to Little Tokyo, you're going to find a lot of historic businesses here. Many of these businesses have been here for a hundred years. So take a minute, stop, buy some mochi. You're going to hear from Brian Quito in just a second. But enjoy the community. It's your community. Transportation is what knits us all together. And it doesn't have to be a car. Today proves that. Thank you very much. By the way, by the way, it was important that we start here uh, because there's a connection between the people of Los Angeles and the people of Japan. And we wanted to start here uh, for a couple of reasons, but one of them was to connect uh, and to reaffirm that connection uh, with the people of Japan in this very, very uh, devastating and tough time for them. With us as well is LA's own lover of cycling and the city of Los Angeles, Tommy LaPont. Give a big hand for Mayor Reynoso. I want to give a big hand for Mayor Reynoso, who helped cycling get on the page in Los Angeles. How many rode in his ride? And I want you to look at that beautiful Japanese American National Museum and the reflection of this city. It's a reflection of us. Have a great ride. Don't forget to enjoy 
the beautiful architecture and murals, especially the old streetlights, across the Fourth Street Bridge, over Thunder Road, where Chacha started that race for Greeks. You're going to have a great ride all the way through the city. Thank you. And if you remember 12 by 5 by Mick Jagger, West Coast Promotion Band, in the end of the song, he said, and remember, if you're out at night, don't forget to wear white if you're on your bike. Hey, hey! <laughs> I love Tommy. I love Tommy. Eddie Reyes is here with us, council member representing the first councilmanic district, big supporter of this event. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I want to thank all. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I want to thank all of you, Ali County Bikes Coalition, Sevilla, you know, Sevilla, Spain, to the station bikes every six to ten blocks. People with suits, people with shorts. They're going to work, they're going home. The car is not even thought of. That's Los Angeles in the future because of this day, your heart, your support. I want to thank the mayor, Nance, and my colleagues, passing that general plan, passing that whole community plan. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Andreas. With us is our two racing, well, cycling enthusiasts. Actors and actresses, um, Daphne Zuniga and Austin Nichols. I'm so happy to be here because riding a bike cleans the air. It's good for us. It's exercise, and we get out and meet each other. And for a city that's known for cars and traffic jams, I mean, this is just such a wonderful, inspiring day. And I'm also proud to be a part of the River Revitalization Corp, which was founded by the Reds and the Mayor, City Council, and the Launch of Big Supporter. We are going to extend the bike path along the L.A. River. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, for those of you who are, are scared of cycling and you, know, you have a family and you commute to work every day, I came out here to support something called Two Wheel Tuesday. You know, if, if you can ride your bike one day a week, ride to school, ride to work, or maybe even just ride to the store and run a, run a few errands, um, baby steps, you know? So I'd like to thank the mayor and, and Lance for coming out here and everybody getting sick of you going, this is something L.A., Truly needs. Thanks, guys. Now, we promised you last year, and we're, gonna, and we're working on it this year, we want to pass a three-foot rule for cyclists. Well, one of the guys we're going to go to to help us do that is Felipe Fuentes. Come on up, State Assembly member. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Council, and thank you, organizers and participants, for today's great event. This is a fantastic event. I represent the district of the San Fernando Valley, and this event is for all of Los Angeles. It ties neighborhoods together, it ties communities together, and more importantly, it gets us out of our cars. So let's be safe. Stay to the right if you're slower, a little bit faster on the left. See y'all. Also with us is Brian Keto, Little Tokyo. Where's Brian? Hi, Mr. Kito. Welcome to the Thank you, Mayor, and thank you, City Council, and all, all those involved. We want to welcome you to Little Tokyo. 
and B, keep in mind while you're riding the route, and we really appreciate Aaron bringing Little Tokyo on this route. But we want to let you know that we have many things in Little Tokyo, like we have the Japanese American National Museum, we have the Gekin uh, Museum of Contemporary Art, we have Japanese gardens, and many restaurants and historic businesses down here. So we welcome you. Please take the time to stop. We are accessible by the gold line and the red line, and we also have family parking for your bicycles here in front of the museum. So welcome to Little Tokyo. Tuesday, May 17th. I know a lot of you out there have attended. Um, the mayor is going to win the famous Golden Spoke Award. All right. For all that he has done for cycling. I want you to all come out, past recipient Tom LaVange here. Thank you all the council members. Remember, May 17th, Tuesday, come out at 8 o'clock at Good Samaritan Hospital. We're going to have Catholic priests, Episcopalians, Imam, the singing rabbi is back once again, and a Buddhist monk, so please attend. Sister Alice Marie as well. Thank you. Well, if anyone needs a blessing of the bike, it's me, that's for sure. I still have a plate in this elbow, but uh, thank you, doctor, and uh, thank you all. And, and let me thank Sprint and Herbalife. Yay! You know, part of what took so long is early on we got told, well, gee, Mary's going to cost so much. And finally, after this break, um, I said to staff, well, how about this? We're going to find some people that are going to help. Uh, in a public-private partnership, promote health and reclaim neighborhoods and, and celebrate cycling. So I want to thank Sprint and Herbalife, and I want to make a call to all of the businesses out there. Let's do this once a month. The way to do that is to get the private sector and philanthropy to get behind this very, very healthy effort to get on a bike uh, to walk and to reclaim our neighborhoods. Have a great Ciclavia! Ride your bike! Ride your bike! Oh, that's Teddy Burke! Ride your bike! Okay. It only seems like a photo op. This is every day for us. Hey, hey, are you, are you really with the Angel City? Oh, let's go drink. Look at that. Ah, 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 I like that. I, every year. I haven't got hurt. I haven't got hurt. Look at the throngs of humanity. Oh, the humanity. But this is the best part. Ed, you're on a bike. Awesome, Ed. Oh, yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, we talk about That's this Ed Reyes, the City Council. You know, this seems like a no-brainer. I don't see a gas tank on any of these vehicles. How much gasoline do you think we're saving today by not driving? 
Look, look. Can you just see that service every day, Ed? I'll put it this way. The more we do this, the better it is for our kids to breathe. Yeah, and we're, makes all the difference. we're offsetting so much carbon. I think it's right. only a matter of time before we get some carbon credits here. Wait a second. I'd be home sleeping right now. No, no, no. You'd be out here seeing last We'd be watching the Paris to Roubaix. Hey, Mayor, next year, Paris Roubaix. I saw you up there. How did you get up on the on the podium and land? All that practice, buddy. All right. Now, so this was brought to us by Chicken Leather, who is out there with a the camera like he always is, and this was really a, a good payoff. We got the whole press conference for Sicilia. Mike was going to be famous, man. It's like everybody crowded in on the podium. <laughs> Chicken that he's talking to, who's, who Roblox or Johnny Depp, or I think he's got a third name, says he'll host a bike talk. Oh, 
one of these weeks. So we'll look forward to that. This is how the new community is going to be made. Why aren't we writing the bikes? Bobby Gata. Bobby Gata on the call bike. Bobby Gata's there on his tall bike. All the players. Lance, Roadblock, Bobby. Oh, go ahead. Okay, look at this. Look at this. This is the Fashion Awards. Look at this. She's got a Hello Kitty sticker on the front. That's going to keep you... Yeah, forget the, forget the kid. And there goes Lance. There goes the mayor. The Peloton being set. Everybody making their run. It's an alley cat. Oh, my God. And so the Ciclovia starts. And it and it it was a really great uh Ciclavia. Another one in uh was it July? June tenth? June or July tenth and then October. Play some music, the bicycle song. Bonjour mon I 
can't understand it, but I can't really stand them. Girls love cars, cars cause harm to the planet. Don't you wanna take a joy ride on my tandem? Puppy on a huffy, don't I look so handsome? Bikes, the bite, they so nice, like price, they're broken on my calves. With high steps and bites, if I pass the gas, stop the traffic lights. I get around, round without a driver's license. Hello, you walking? Farewell, I'm off then. And I'm whipping through the city with the 40 and a 50 party popping on my willy. My Okay, so this is Bike Talk. You're listening live on KillRated.org or your podcast on KPFK.org. And we can be reached at livebiketalk at gmail.com. We also have a new website at biketalk.com, but we haven't really added much to it. If you have any suggestions, let us know. And we're back to Chicken Leather's coverage of Ciclovia. Here he is at the very start of Ciclovia after the mayor and Lance Armstrong's press conference just talking to folks at the start line. You gotta get on a bike before this. Following the breakaway, heading in on the steel plate. It's just like Perry Roubaix today. Come on, Carlos, D side. Oh, that's very nice. Officer Helper, yes, we see you. And there's Lance on the breakaway. Oh, 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 oh did you see that? <laughs> Guys, it's okay. He's already won the Tour de France. You don't have to follow him. <laughs> Just like that, he's gone. Thank <laughs> you.
Nigga on the jet pack, bust his neck All week he had the talk with a lick so yes, there they go. So let's make it work for you. Then. All right. And of course, Mike doing some quick repairs here today for thousand one bikes. Here, you know, like Sevilla, yeah. very nice. They always want the kitty bike safe. Talking to cool ass Mike. Oh, and it's gone out. Oh, and it's back. All right, well, we've got Eric Ochoa in the studio. Eric's our race reporter intern here at uh, Bike Talk. And how you doing? Doing good. Like, Eric doesn't even take his headphones out when he's doing the radio show. Nope. That's amazing. But they're off. Nothing's going on. Take the headphones off. Really? <laughs> Just kidding. Because that was the... Uh, the that was how I came to know Eric was as a, a high school student and uh, it was you're not supposed to wear headphones in the class but that's cool now yeah it's the real world mm-hmm. maybe we're not really preparing people for the real world if we're telling them they have to take their headphones off maybe not but still trying but if this was a real job or something I mean oh well that's different yeah they'll come off if it was but if, I mean, if you're a big, if you're a star, you can do whatever you want. Right. But we're not quite there yet, are we? No. Right. So the question is, do you break the rules until you become a star, or do you wait until you're a star to break the rules? It's not important. It's not important. Okay. So what's going on in, uh, in your world of racing? Well, like I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that the Cobble Classics have, have come to close with the closing of Paris-Roubaix. I don't think I covered Perry Roubaix. I'm just going to make it real quick. Garmin Cervelo finally got redemption at Perry Roubaix for um, their disappointing classic season. You know, Garmin Cervelo last year was known as Garmin Transitions. The Cervelo test team folded, and Garmin and the Cervelo test team um, joined to create Garmin Cervelo. Then a few riders from that from the Cervelo team came over, most of them being classics riders. So, you know, before the 2011 season, there was a lot of hype for the Garmin Cervelo team to, you know, just dominate at the classic races. But, you know, when Melanza and Ramo came up, even in the minor classics, they weren't doing so great. You know, so everybody was like, well, where's that super classic team that, that we all expected? And, of course, Jonathan Vodders, their team manager, is like, well, you can't expect to, you can't expect us to, you know, be winning every race. But Perry Roubaix really seemed to work out for them. It's, they were going to work for Thor Hushoff, and he was in a great position. With the when Fabian Cancellara attacked, Thor Hushoff was right on his wheel, along with Alessandro Balan and a few other riders. But up ahead, Thor's teammates Seb Van Mark and Joanne Van Summeren were also in an earlier breakaway. And you know Fabian Cancellara didn't want to chase due to the fact that Thor Hushoff was on his wheel, and if it came down to a sprint down in the velodrome. Thor Hushout would clearly, you know, out-sprint him since Thor is a sprinter and Fabian is not. But with 15K to go, that's when the, min- the winning move was made. Johan Van Sommer in a tie. Uh, what I, yeah, Lars back and Martin Tangili from Rabobank. And from there, it was just 
all smooth sailing for him. Well, what I found interesting was after the race, they announced that with five kilometers to go, Jan van Sommeren was riding with a rear flat tire. So would you imagine, you know, riding those final five kilometers, getting into the velodrome with a flat tire in the back? It wasn't as flat as, you know, as one would think. There was still a little bit of air, but it wasn't, you know, entirely filled with air. You know, he entered the velodrome with two laps to go, was able to raise his arms, celebrate victory. 19 seconds later, the other group came in. And, you know, his girlfriend was right there waiting for him. And because of the victory, he actually proposed to his wife. Some people proposed with a ring. He proposed with a rock. I'm sorry. What do you mean? Well, he proposed to her with a rock instead of... Oh, an actual rock. Yeah. I guess it, it was symbolic due to the fact that if you win Paris-Roubaix, the trophy is a big cobblestone. Huh. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a, the final race from the Cobbles Classics. And from then, you move over to the... Ardennes Classics, which are the hilly classics, which are more suited to the GC contenders that you would usually see in a Grand Tour. But it hasn't been like that. The classic specialist, Philippe Gilbert, has won the past two races, which is Fletcher Wallone, which was this Wednesday and last Sunday from Amstel Gold Race. He was going in as the defending champion. And Philippe Gilbert is just showing spectacular form, winning these two races, attacking pretty much in the final kilometers or final meters of the race. There is nobody that can seem to match the acceleration, the speed, and the power of this Belgian rider. He is just going all out. You know, Liege, Bastogne Liege, which is the final Ardennes race, kicks off tomorrow. Philippe has made it no secret that that's the race he wants to win. And, you know, he's going to be right there going... He's going to be going strong. He has a great team following him, but also Alexander Vinokurov, who won that race last year, will also have a strong Astana team. Roman Kreutiger is also going to be there supporting him for best on Liege. And there's going to be a lot more hungry riders to go. Joaquin Rodriguez, who has also been very close to Philippe Gilbert in Amstel and Fletch, will be right there. I'm sure he he's going to, you know, really be hungry to get that victory, but... At the moment, Philippe Gilbert is looking unstoppable. Just as Fabian Cancellara was the man to beat at the Cobble Classics, Philippe Gilbert is the man to beat here at the Ardennes Classics. So we got two races we're talking about. I I, gotta, I, I don't know, like, all the th- races that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But So we've got two races that we're talking about. Well, tomorrow. Well, uh, I was just wrapping up on um, Perry Roubaix's inside in. Um, okay. Cover that, and it's something I really wanted to cover due to the fact that the team I root for won. But to, uh, tomorrow is just one race, which is Liege Bastogne Liege, and that's it's a good one. What? That it, they're all in uh, what country? Belgium. Okay. So right now the racing is happening in Belgium. Yeah. Mainly. Well, at the moment there there's several races going on. I, the Uruguay is happening. The Tour of Korea. Uh, Giro del Trentino finished yesterday. There's a lot of races going on, but it's usually like the biggest races that get the most atten- the most attention. So you know, even though I don't know what you're talking about, it's still kind of it sounds great. It's like musical. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's kind of like listen to uh, I don't know. Well, I guess it's a typical race race reporting type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the the whole racing aspect is pretty interesting. I'm I'm pretty sure some people would like. You know, they find out about it, and, like, what's the whole point of it? You're just watching 200 guys ride a bike for five to seven hours at a time. 
And I kind of ask myself that question, too, because cycling is pretty much the only sport I watch. I don't watch football. I don't watch baseball, soccer, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, once you really get into it, it's really interesting, you know, the attacks and as messed up as it may seem, the crashes, the, you know, hmm. mechanical failures, the mountains, is the sprints. It, is it kind of like, I, I mean, I know that people, like, when I think of car racing, you know, I think, well, that would be the reason you'd watch it, because of the crashes. No, no, no that's, that's not it. Well, that's car racing. Yeah, but I really... They just go in circles. Yeah, well, I mean, going in circles is pretty much the racing that you see here, mostly in the U.S., with mm-hmm. your criteriums. Um, they really don't uh, show those, you know, like the races that I watch, you know, you catch them on live stream on the Internet. You don't really see the criteriums here in the U.S. as much as you would see the European races. But, you know, and you mainly don't see criteriums over in Europe. It's mostly point A to point B races. Mm. You know, you start here and you end here. But, you know, criteriums can also be fairly interesting because, you know, if you're gonna if you want to win, you gotta make sure you're at the front the whole time. If you're in the back, you're gonna really have a hard time getting to the front. And once you know the final lap comes around and you're gonna go for the sprint, you're gonna be so tired out from chasing all the way to the front that you're gonna be lucky to be inside the top ten. Well, but some people start at the back, don't they? Doesn't that make it hard to win? Or is it well, if you're alone, that's gonna make it hard. If you have teammates to pace you to the mm. front, that's gonna help a lot because they say. You know, when a rider crashes in a race and, you know, he's waiting either for a bike change or something happened, mostly says, like, maybe two or three riders will go back, wait for the rider and pace him back. Because you save a lot of energy from having, you know, several riders ride in front of you than what you would of you just riding with the air blasting in front of you. So having teammates right there to pace you all the way to the front is really crucial. So it makes that much of a difference to the wind. How fast are they going? Usually in a race, average speed is about 35 kilometers an hour. Hmm. Which is what, like 28? Yeah, around there. Um, wow. And then, of course, you know, for people who really like to ride alone, there's always going into breakaways, which is somewhat of a hard thing. You know, the... German veteran Jens Voigt says you only have a 10% chance of getting away in a breakaway because usually around the final 10 kilometers is when the teams of the sprinters really start pushing the pace to catch the breakaway and, you know, turn it into a field sprint. But there are several riders who really know how to time their breakaways really well and, you know, ruin it for the sprinters, get the win for themselves, and then have the sprinters sprint for, like, second or third. So a breakaway is not a sprint? It's different? A breakaway, so, okay, the race starts... There's about 200 riders in each race, safety reasons, they say. You mean that's why there's not more for safety reasons? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, and breakaways happen all the time. You know, it could happen in the first kilometer of the race. So it could be from one rider all the way up to, like, 14 riders that, you know, break off from the main group. And, you know, the, as the time goes, they eventually build up their own gap of, you know, it could be up to, like, half an hour to several seconds. But, like I said, again, in a race, if, it's, if the race, if that stage is flat, the sprinter teams are not going to let them get away because they want their sprinter to get the, get the stage win. But if the breakaway works really well and, you know, securing their lead and keep that lead growing, they're going to be able to get away and ruining it for the sprinters. So are breakaways like lone 
Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty much. And usually, um, it, gets, it gets exciting to watch a breakaway because in that breakaway, you have other writers breaking off too, because either some of the guys don't want to work or some of the guys are even more hungry for the victory. They don't want to work. Yeah, the yeah. Even if you're not on the, let's say you have like five different writers and five different teams. Even though you're not on the same team, you have to do your share of the work, which is writing at the front for for a while. So, you know, you have one writer writing at the front, he does his pull, then another writer goes, he does his pull, another writer goes, he does his pull. So, even well, if you're not... If, I mean, presumably at this, at a, at the, like, professional level, mm-hmm. you know, you expect people to want to do what they're supposed to do. I can't imagine them, anybody saying, do they? Do they, do they say, I'm not going to, I don't want to work? Well, yeah, so some of them do that. We saw that last year at the Giro d'Italia one. Alexander Vinokurov, I believe it was the stage that a B-Box writer won. And it was just Alexander Vinokurov and another writer, I believe it was from Lamprey. And Vino was just right on the front, and you could tell he was really tired out. He kept on turning back, you know, making hand gestures and like, come on, get to the front, get to the front. And the writer's like, if you want to, you know, gain time on the GC, you're going to have to do it yourself. And it was the same, the same situation with Fabian Cancellara, Perry Roubaix. He was at the front, and although he was at the front, he wasn't chasing as he would normally do if he really wanted the the win because, like I said, Thor Hushat was right behind him, and if it came down to a sprint, Thor would have beat him like nothing. And later on in an interview, said Fabian kind of kind of flattered about that because he said that you know they were just on his wheel, they weren't doing nothing, they weren't willing to chase, they weren't willing to do nothing. He says, if I went out to get coffee, they would have gone and done the same thing because you know. Fabian's wheel is the chase is the wheel to chase, if you really because the guy is just a powerhouse. We saw that at Tour of Flanders when Sylvain Chavanel was right on his wheel, and although none of them got the win, they were still on the podium. So I mean, kind of sucking <laughs> wheels is a pretty good thing. Sucking wheels. Yeah, that's what they call it. So he was the leader. Who? The guy you were talking about, whose wheel was the one to chase. Well, he wasn't the leader, but like, like all right, it was a group of Fabian Cancellara, Alessandro Balan, and Thor Hushoff, and I believe there were two other riders. But up ahead in the road, there were still, I believe, two other breakaways that were about a minute and a half ahead of them. If Fabian could catch up to them like nothing if it was up to him. Mm-hmm. But again, since he had the other two riders, you know, on his wheel, he wanted them to do the work so he could sort of conserve more energy to, you know... For the final, eventually Fabian Cancellara was the first one from his group to make it to the velodrome. He came in 19 seconds after Thor Hushat and Alessandro Balan came in, you know, much much later. But again, you know, that like Jens Voigt said, you only have a 10% chance of getting away if you're in a breakaway. But mostly, I mean, riders know that there's a slim chance that they're going to make it to the finish alone. Mm-hmm. But usually they do it for media coverage, you know. And the tour, when the Tour of California is right here, you'll see that the, the domestic teams, you know, Team Bissell, Jelly Belly, those teams, and the breakaway, just, you know, so they could get exposure to, you know, TV, so they could tell their sponsors, we're right here. Are there riders who, who don't have a team? There are some riders that, yeah, they're, right now that you mention it, Matt Lloyd, the Australian, got fired from his Omega Farm Lotto team. They really haven't said the reasons why, but they said it wasn't because of doping. So what he did is the Australian Cycling Federation, I presume, got in touch with him. So right now I think they're letting him ride for the Australian national team. If you don't have a team to ride for, I guess, you know, your 
Country Cycling Federation lets you ride for the national team or you get signed on to a smaller but team. But if you do a breakaway, that means you don't have a team. Oh, if you... I'm thinking. No, the thing is with, with a breakaway, it, it kind of gives you more chances to get away with a stage win for your team. You do have a team. You do have a team. Yeah. But you're not supposed to do it. It's like... It depends on the team's tactics. They, you, okay, so they might want you to do it. Yeah. But it's not a sprint. A breakaway is not a sprint. A breakaway is not a sprint. It could be a sprint. Like I said, if there's, you know, three or more riders mm-hmm. and they manage to get away, of course, they're going to sprint to the to the line. What does it look like? I'm just fascinated with breakaway. Maybe that would be a good title for, like, a quick um, new movie. There's actually movie. a movie called Breakaway. Oh, there is. Yeah. All right, so, okay, Let's just say Tour de France, since it's what people mostly know about. And it's a flat stage. Well, okay, it's a flat stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you start, first kilometer, several riders, you know, break off. Let's say five riders. They manage to get a lead of, like, what, two to three minutes on the main group, which is the group at the back, the ones who didn't break away. Mm. So they just broke away. Yeah, so they, they broke away pretty Which early. means you just go faster. Yeah, you, you accelerate, and the the main group is not going to chase you because they're thinking, we're going to catch you later. So we'll let you have your moment, and when the time comes, we'll, we'll chase you down. So, you know, they're going, and if it comes down to a, to a sprint finish, usually in the final 20 to 15 Ks is when all the teams start to get organized. You see the front group in a single file line, and it's mostly all the sprinters teams lining up, it, and... You know, they really start to turn the pace really high, higher than, you know, what you would have at the beginning, which I think is just like a cruising speed. Mm-hmm. So little by little, kilometer by kilometer, that deficit that the breakaway has gained on the main group mm-hmm. starts to go down. So you might see two and a half minutes, and then little by little, it starts to drop down two minutes, 25, two minutes, 20. And until, you know, you see them in the distance, which may be like in the final five, three kilometers, you see them right there in the distance. They only have a gap of, what, 13 seconds. Right there, the, the remaining riders in the breakaway group turn and look back. Some of them might give up. Some of them just, like, might accelerate more to see if they can, you know, somehow get away. They don't. You know, the riders, the sprinters teams are, like, just right, like, breathing on their necks. Mm-hmm. And they catch them eventually, what they call it in, um, in cycling is Grupo Compacto. Mm-hmm. The group is together. So, and then, you know, in the final 3Ks, again, the, the sprinters are always at the end. You know, you have your team of maybe, like, five riders protecting the sprinters, mm-hmm. protecting them from the wind, making sure they're less exposed to the wind as possible until the final sprint. And then, you know, little by little, each rider breaks off until you're with your final lead-out man. And with about 800 meters to go, that's when your lead-out man kind of starts his own little sprint to launch you off. And with about, like, 400K, 400 meters, you the sprinter just does his own thing and then the sprint is on and whoever has the legs is the one who gets away with the stage but now if the breakaway gets away um and there there are times when they do and it's kind of a relief to see it because you know so you can't have a sprinter winning all the time you you gotta have a great breakaway rider a really strong rider uh, you know really be pulling at the front to is really that a sprinter or a great breakaway rider does that mean a great sprinter He's a good sprinter in his own right. He's not. There's several different kinds of sprinters. There's a bunch sprinter who's a sprinter that you're gonna rely on to, you know, in the bunch sprint when you're having like 15 to 20 guys sprinting to the line. Mm-hmm. Then there's something called a group sprinter, 
was a guy who's maybe good at sprinting against like a smaller group. Mm-hmm. And he's mainly a good guy, yeah, to go in a breakaway. Mm-hmm. And usually, sometimes a good guy for for classics, you know, they could out sprint normal guys in a small group as mm-hmm. opposed to you know a bigger group, which is a bunch sprinter. You know, bunch sprinters. You know, as um, Tyler Farah, Mark Cavendish, Alessandro Pataki, Tom Bonin those kind of guys, and then you have your smaller group sprinters. Also, lead-out men are really good at, you know, smaller groups because lead-out men are not technically fast. They're just good at sustaining high speeds for a long period of the time. So that's why they use them huh. to, you know, launch their sprinter. So yeah. interesting that there's these different, really specific types. You would think that somebody's fast, they're fast. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, it's like everybody's got, like, if they were to train enough, they would be a certain type. But yeah, they don't know I it. mean, to, to every race, you kind of send a little bit of everything, you know. Each team has riders that are good at pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in Grand Tours, which is like where you really want to put out a name for yourself, you know, you're going to send guys that you're going to go, you're going to send a guy that's going to be your hopeful to either win the overall or, you know, place high in the general classification. You're going to send guys to help him out when the mountains come. You're going to send sprinters. You're going to send a guy to help the sprinters. And you're going to send, you know, some wild cards. You know? Wow, it's like, it's like having an army. Yeah, it's something like that. And that's, that's kind of how it looks like towards the final... Like the infantry and the yeah, cavalry. Towards, and towards the, the final kilometers of a, of a sprint. Because like I said, you know, you have that team lined up in a single file and they're protecting their sprinter. And, you know, little by little, they're, they're pulling off until, you know, the final, ma- the final guy is, you know, it's just the lead-out man and the sprinter. And then you can see him start a sprint, and then he catapults to his sprinter, and then it's just them against the other sprinters, and again, whoever has the best legs is the one who gets with the win. And having the lead-out man is, is really a good thing to have, because if you start your sprint early, you're going to have the wind blasting at your face, and that slows you down. But there are some other, there are some riders like Robbie McEwen who don't need the lead-out man, who just benefit from other riders' slipstream. So, you know, he, he's on the wheel, a sprinter, he follows his wheel, then, you know, he pulls off right. and he gets that draft. And well, yeah, you could, I guess, follow anybody's lead yeah, man. You don't have to follow your own team. And that's what some riders do. After their lead out man, you mm-hmm. know, leads them to the line, mm-hmm. they will eventually follow somebody else because there's still um, several meters to go. So they'll hook onto somebody else's wheel, stay on that wheel, and then just pull off and get So who, who wants to be the first guy? Why would anybody ever want to be? You must. It must be like a a race to see who can get behind the first guy or why would you be the first guy you don't want to be the first guy um well that's the thing I, I mean, some riders pull off too early mm-hmm. and if you pull off too early you're gonna you know bet for sure that someone's gonna be on your wheel and mm-hmm. they're gonna cut around you and you know beat you to the line huh. and that's how it sometimes works i mean sometimes teams get it right sometimes they don't but you know it's all a matter of timing it just right there's probably so many analogies here, like for, you know, for life, like, well, for corporate life, maybe, you know, how to... And I think so, too, because, I mean, the cycling in general is a truly dedicated team. you got to be, like, really dedicated to your team. You know, you see riders just, like, killing themselves at the front, riding against the wind. You know, like I said right now, these lead-out men who haven't had a single victory in, like, four years or something... Because it's not... 
Huh? It's not their job. It, it, yeah, well, essentially, it's not their job to win. It's their job to have their sprinter win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the interviews, they're always saying, you know, it's a great win for the team. If they win, I win because... And then the sprinters really praise their lead-out man because, mm-hmm. you know, they're always saying, you know, my lead-out man did such a great job leading me to the line. Had it not been for him, I can't win the line. So, in a way, I guess... If the sprinter wins, it's a victory for the for the lead-out guy, too. And it's a victory for the team because, like I said, you got to be really dedicated to, you know, it's not a, you can't be selfish to be a cyclist in a team mm-hmm. because if you are, you know, your chances are you're just going to get booted off. We got a guy named Patrick Brady who's written a book about uh, how to start out from buying your, your first bike to being in a Peloton, and he's going to be on the show in a, in a few weeks. We're not, we're just trying to arrange it. But I'll give you the book, and you can uh, you can uh, ask me some questions. No. Yeah, that'll be or great. Something. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'd like to play like a song just to uh, transition to. I have, I think, one more call, and then did you? Well, so did you want to bring up anything else? Anything to? That's pretty much it. Just again, a reminder: Liege Bastogne Liege kicks off tomorrow. If any of you want to catch it live, um, check out steephill.com. They'll give you the start times for the for the race, the end, the estimated end time, and they have several links below to you know where you can catch live streaming from it. Eurosport usually has it in English, but if you want to be more international, they do have it in Flemish, Spanish, Italian, French, and I believe that's it. Races, these races usually start around like um 5:30 in the morning and go on until 7 or 8. So yeah, if you want to really wake up in the morning for that you can go ahead if not youtube usually always has the final what is it 10 kilometers of the race posted pretty early on i'm not sure if versus or universal sports will um have coverage of these races but i think catching them live is the the best way to see this race it's going to be real great battle between philippe jobert joaquin rodriguez um Samuel Sanchez, Alexander Vinokurov. It's going to be a great battle between all these guys that have been sh- coming on short in the previous two races, Fletcher Wallone and Amsel Goldray. So it's going to be really great. All right. Well, this is Eric Ochoa with the race report. And is there anything more specific than race report? Is it like a certain kind of race report? What do you mean? Or is it just race report? Um, Your segment. I think we could just call it a race report. All right, there, Coach We're coming up with a more interesting name as time goes on. All right, and we're almost at the end of the show. Everybody let me see you start a new race. Get real comfortable. You beat them on the pedal. And everybody when your body bed to the treble. And everybody now, we want it anyhow. You dance for the people them. Aha! Messiness and Trinidad. Spontaneous, let me go. Cause everybody wants to see the new dance show. The new dance bicycle wine. New dance bicycle wine. New dance bicycle wine. From the front and all behind. New dance Not only dance hall Cause when it comes to soca Say we can do them all Put your mind to the test Get the steps off your chest And everybody do the dance no shame left They throw them on the side You're training how to ride You dance for the people there 
keep your pride So I say tell you twice Yeah, that's no how it go Now everybody rock, rock, rock and start to show the new dance Bicycle wine, new dance with Carlos Morales of the Eastside Bicycle Club. How are you doing, Carlos? Uh, doing great. A little bit tired. I had a, a, a pretty good workout with uh, some of the members of the Eastside Bike Club, and they gave me some punishment today. They took me to some hills and an IMD. Right. Some IMDs, you said? Pardon me? What was the last thing? IMDs? No, I am beat. I'm tired. Oh, yeah. I thought there was some technical term for something besides hills you guys did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what... Uh, what were you going to tell me about today? There was a vigil last night. Yeah, last night, um, active with a, with a mom uh, bike riders and uh, East Side Bike Club, and there was another group. They got together to uh, put up a post, uh, a ghost bike uh, for Manny, who was uh, killed in the Silver Lake area about five days ago. He was riding his bike. He worked at a, a restaurant. He had a four-year-old uh, boy, and uh, he was taking care of his uh, elderly uh, parents. And uh, he, he wasn't in a gang, uh, didn't do drugs. He uh, left his house uh, about uh, about 9, 9 p.m. to go get a, a DVD down the street. And he, um, during that trip, a uh, car pulled out two blocks away from his house, and... Uh, ran him over the car backed up and uh shot uh someone shot a gun at him and killed him he got hit a couple of times um and uh it's pretty it was pretty sad so uh actually active knew who he was and when he posted it i said okay we have we have our uh, a ghost bike we'll go we'll go pull it out uh and uh take it and so when we got there um his uh, Manny's family was having a, uh, a, a rosary. There was a lot of people, uh, family members, his mom, his brother, uh, and uh, people from the neighborhood because it actually happened on a residential street. So there was it was pretty nice to see uh, the, the community come out. So the uh, uh, the service that they were doing, they were doing the, they were uh, you know praying and, and and singing. It was all done in Spanish. And uh, as cyclists started to uh, uh, arrive, everybody uh, uh, waited uh, and just listened to what the family was doing. When the family finished their uh, uh, service, if you will, the cyclists uh, pulled their bikes. We made like a half uh, a half arch you know, uh, around uh, the pole where the, where the candles were at. And then uh, they hung the uh, bike, uh, the ghost bike. Um, there was, uh, I don't know, there was about 40 people on bikes that showed up from all parts of the city. Um, people gave, uh, people who knew him gave uh, uh, some uh, remarks. The family was very touched. they never seen anything like it. Um, he was a he was a writer. He was a frequent. Well, writer. no, he basically used his bike uh, for transportation, just to run errands here and there. Um, I think he worked pretty close as well. I think he might have write, ridden his bike to work sometimes as well. So uh, he was just he just used it for more recreation, sometimes for transportation, just to run errands. 
Um, and the reason why I'm, I, um, I mentioned that he wasn't a gang member, went to drugs because uh, because of because of, of the shooting. Um, yeah, what was so, that? What was that about? We don't know. We don't know. Um, actually, we have a. I have a press release, and I don't have it in front of me. But the suspects are still outstanding, and um, you know what? I I don't know any of the details to tell you right now. I just maybe I don't just, have it in front of me. Maybe just mistaking him for somebody else. Um, we don't know. We we just don't know. And you and you hung the ghost bike. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty touching. It was it was really really moving. Uh, very. Uh, Hello, Carlos. Did I lose you? You there? Well, Eric, you know what a ghost bike is? I don't. You don't know? It's a ghost bike. Is a bike that's painted white, and it's to commemorate somebody who's who's fallen on a bike, who's died but while uh, on a bicycle, and they have them around the city. Well. I don't know exactly what happened with Carlos, but... I'm going to follow up with Carlos later and uh, close the show. All right, well, that was Carlos Morales of the East Side Bike Club talking about Manny, who was, uh, who was riding his bike to the store to pick up a DVD, and uh, some people ran him over and then shot him, and there's nobody knows why. And they had a, uh, they put up a ghost bike for him. So we'll we'll try to get more info on that. Maybe put it up on uh, kpfk.org site and Facebook. We're at Facebook Bike Talk. This was Bike Talk April 23rd. Killradio.org, kpfk.org. We had Stephen Messer of Corba, Damien Newton of Streetsblog LA. We had some footage from Chicken Leather from Ciclavia where the mayor spoke, city council people. We had. Carlos Morales and thank you Eric for coming on today yeah it was great alright next week is uh, Chicks on Bikes it's women's version of Bike Talk inspired by Bicycle Bitchin from Bike Kitchen and uh, we'll we'll see you then I okay.